Well, good morning. Uh, this message that I'm going to share with you this morning is near and dear to my heart. It's a message I live out almost daily. Uh, it's, it's something that, uh, that I, I feel very deeply inside myself. But basically what I have to say to you this morning is that when you or when a person is born of the Spirit through faith in Christ, then he or she is equipped by God to be a minister to others. When, when God gets hold of your, of your life, he makes you sufficient or adequate for everything that's out in front of you, but he also particularly or especially equips you as a minister. God makes us adequate. God makes us competent. God makes you able to do what he has called you to do. Now, you may not feel adequate, for whatever is in front of you. And I don't know what that is. It's different for every one of us. You may not feel adequate for what is in front of you. Uh, You may not feel adequate in your parenting or in your work or in handling your finances or in handling your problems. Uh, You may not feel adequate to serve other people in the name of Jesus. You may not feel that you have something to give to people that will touch them, change them, help them, Build them up, feed them spiritually. Um, I I would say that most of us feel inadequate about a lot of things. And sometimes I feel so weak, it scares me. And when I think of what I need to do in life, what I want to do for God and for others, and I look at myself, I mean, I can just, I can seem so pathetic that, that, uh, It it literally does scare me. And uh, if I have time at the end of the service, I'm going to tell a little bit more about that. But, uh, and I'm I'm not just saying that. I can really feel that. And and in ourselves, this passage tells us in ourselves we are not adequate for all that God calls us to. In this passage, Paul says we are not competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God. I probably mixed up a little bit of the NIV and the New American Standard there, but it's, that's basically what this verse says. God has made us adequate ministers. God has made us competent as ministers. Or another version says, he has made us sufficient ministers. He equips you and me with supernatural abilities to minister, to serve others. And although Paul, in this passage, expresses confidence in his, in his ministry, he admits that he is not confident, competent in himself. And the, the things that God had called him to were, the things that God had called him to were just far beyond him. I mean, he, earlier in this, earlier than this passage, he says, "Who is competent or who is adequate for these things?" And the assumed answer is no one. Paul was certainly saying, "I'm not." But God made me adequate. And the things that God has called you to do are are far too great for you to be able to do it in your own power and effort. But God makes you adequate. God gives you enough of whatever it takes to be able to do what you are called to do. 
Now, I think most of us know what incompetency means. I mean, it's not, we don't, it's not a very nice thing to, to say that about someone. You're incompetent. Uh, it means, basically kind of means you don't know what you're doing or you aren't able to do what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, no one wants to call an incompetent plumber to work on something in their house. And yet, that's in and of ourselves, that's what we are. We're incompetent. Thank God the story doesn't end with that. But it is a part of the story. God makes you adequate. He gives you enough of whatever it takes to be able to do what you are called to do. So, so like Paul, we are always aware of our personal incompetence, but always confident in God to make us competent. So we live in this paradox. And I do. I, I really do. I mean, I'm just keenly aware of this sense of incompetence, but also by faith and by the grace of God, I continually appropriate the adequacy and the strength of God for, for, for every day. And that's the way I have to live. Otherwise, I, I would be a basket case. Uh, you, you'd be shocked at what kind of person I would be if I didn't live in this reality. God takes ordinary people like you and me, weak in ourselves, and makes us competent to minister to, to bless, to do good to other people. And the Bible makes clear that you have a ministry, an effect, a gift that other people need. Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 1 Peter 4, 10, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. You know, in spite of our incompetence, we have, we have confidence in God's working within us to always have something to give to others. Now, I've broken this down just for ease of understanding into some points that, I'm gonna, that I drew out from this passage. And my, my goal here isn't to totally teach this entire passage in all of its context and everything. I'm, I'm trying to to draw out a particular message this morning for you that God, in your inadequacy, equips you to be adequate as a minister. Point number one, we are all ministers. That is that we are all of us who are born of the Spirit, all of us who have repented of our sins, given our lives over to Christ, trusted in Him, who are born of God, we are all ministers and we can all minister to others. In this passage, Paul is talking about himself, but he says, we are ministers of a new covenant. He was speaking of himself and his unique call as an apostle to deliver this new covenant uh, message. But we are all called ministers. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love of you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. This was not written about apostles. This was not written about pastors. It was not written about prophets or evangelists. This was written to the poor, persecuted Jewish Christians who were still, as Paul says, ministering to the saints. Now, how we do that, how you do that, is as different as snowflakes are different, but we are all called to ministry to the saints. 
other kinds of ministry too, but we're all called as ministers to the saints. And the word minister literally means to serve, but in, in, as it's used, as this word is used in the context in the New Testament, it, it usually means to bring something to someone that meets a need. Uh, when Paul brought a financial gift to the poor saints at Jerusalem, he said, I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. When Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days, at the end of that time, it says the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. They brought encouragement, they brought comfort, maybe food and drink, I don't know, but they ministered something to him. They brought something to him. Ministering is giving someone what is necessary to sustain their physical and spiritual life. New mothers minister to their babies. When you bring food to someone, you are ministering to them. Ministering is feeding people's souls. It is ministering the water of life to people. It is ministering what people need for encouragement, for hope, for healing, for salvation. And Paul saw himself as a minister of the new covenant, which, which we're going to talk just a little bit about. Uh, one commentator said, ministry, ministry is seeing the needs of fellow believers and willingly distributing to them what the master has placed in your hands to meet those needs. And so every one of you, every born-again person, every born-again child of God should think of themselves as a minister. You should think of yourself. That should be your identity. That should be how you think about yourself. That's, that's, that, that's what you, you are aware of. I, at all times, in all places, with all people, I am a minister. Number two, we are ministers of the new covenant message and life. Certainly Paul was in a unique way, but, but we are too. And I want to talk just a little bit about what the new covenant is because I think it is really important. It really does affect all of our ministry, whether it's, whether it's making a meals for someone or anything that you do. The, the new covenant message, the new covenant life really affects how we give ourselves to people. The new covenant was purchased for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we sang a lot of stuff about the new covenant really this morning in our songs. Jesus said, when he took the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's, this, the new covenant's an agreement. It's something that God, or that Jesus Christ purchased, paid for completely for you. It's God, it is God's agreement with us to remove our sin and our guilt and to give us a new heart that wants to please God and wants to love God. Hebrews uh, 10 summarized the new covenant this way. This is the covenant I will make with them, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them in their minds or on their minds and their sins and their lawless acts. I will Remember no more. Paul called the new covenant the ministry that brings righteousness. Through faith in Jesus Christ, God declares us to be righteous in his sight. And then he puts his spirit 
within us. He gives us the Spirit who leads us to live righteous lives from the inside out. Remember we talked about Romans 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We're led to live righteous lives. He, God himself writes his will, or he, he, he writes his will and his desires on the tablets of our heart. Paul called the Old Covenant ministry uh, the ministry that condemns men because of our inability to keep it. But the New Covenant enables us. The New Covenant comes along with enablement to live righteous lives. Uh, John Bunyan expressed this so well in a short poem entitled, Run, John, Run. If you've never heard this before, it is, it, is so, it is so powerful. If you want to know the difference between law and grace, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, it's all summed up right here in this little short poem. Here it is. Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives neither feet nor hands. Better news the gospel brings, it bids us fly and gives us wings. That's the ministry. That's the new covenant that brings righteousness. And in verse 6, Paul said, We are ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We, you know, we, are, we are not just ministering written instructions or laws to people. That's not Christianity. We are ministers of the Spirit, for the Spirit gives life, and only life from the Spirit can enable us to live God-pleasing, righteous lives. And the most prominent or one of the most prominent features of the New Covenant is this message that the Holy Spirit or God sends His Spirit to come to live within us so that we are first of all born of the Spirit and then we live daily walking in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. So this New Covenant is called a, uh, a not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the Spirit gives life. This, this is New Covenant, New, New Testament Christianity. Uh, and just a side note, I was, I was struck by something, I think it was Ray Stedman, I read a note this, this week that said, uh, this is kind of a sideline here, but he said, uh, he, he, he felt that one of the greatest lacks in the, in the church is to not understand the new covenant. So, now, so we are ministers of the new covenant. Now, we are not Paul. We don't have his same exact calling. Uh, but in some way, we are ministers of the new covenant. Uh, the, new, the new covenant message comes out from us in the message of the gospel and the message of Christ that we share with people. It also flo flows out from us New covenant life flows out from us in the way that we treat people, in the way that we love people, in the way that we forgive people. When you show grace to people, you're ministering the new covenant. When you forgive your husband or your wife or your parents or your co-worker, you are demonstrating the new covenant. The new covenant message, the new covenant life shows on your face and in your eyes and in your tone of voice. Just one amen for that. I mean, it does. I, real, I actually believe it. I mean, we are ministers of the new covenant, and it does show on our face and our eyes 
in our tone of voice. People can sense whether you are handing them the letter of the law as though you expect rules alone to change them or you are offering them the life of Jesus Christ and the promise of the Spirit to transform and heal and make them whole. It's a whole different ballgame. And we are in the ministry. We are in the business of sharing with people the life of Jesus Christ, the promise of the Spirit to transform, to heal, and to make them whole. And so I want to ask you a question very practically. Are you ministering the new covenant message in your home? Is the emphasis on Christ and what he has done for us and thanking him and glorying, as Paul says, glorying not in ourselves but in Christ Jesus? As a family, do you glory in Christ and what we have in him? Or is your emphasis on the letter of the law or is it on the spirit who gives life? We are ministers of this new covenant life and message. Number three, God has equipped you. This may sound kind of like what we just talked about, but it's, it's a shift. Okay, God has equipped you by the Spirit to do things that bless and change and transform other people. Paul said to the Corinthians in this passage, he said, you yourselves are our letter. Okay, this is in the context of, do I need a, 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 perhaps the Corinthians were saying, Paul, we need a letter of recommendation. You know, we need, we need, we need some source to give, you, give validation to who you are and your, to, give, to speak about your credentials. And he said, I don't need that. You yourself are my Letter. You are the result of our ministry, he said. Something happened in people's lives as a result of Paul's words and work and life. People were born again. People were transformed. Something happened in their hearts. And so instead of providing this letter of recommendation, Paul said, I have living letters of recommendation. I have changed lives, known and read by all men. And yet he acknowledges that his effect on people is supernatural. He acknowledges that his effect on people is supernatural. You show that you are a letter from Christ. First of all, he says, you know, you're my letter. But he says, no, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. So Paul said, yes, I, I wrote, so to speak, on your hearts. I had, I had an impact on you, yet it was not I but Christ. Christ used me to make an impact on you. And he did that by the Spirit of the living God. Verse 3, Paul says, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Today, God is not writing a message on tablets of stone as when he wrote the Ten Commandments, but today God is writing on tablets of human hearts. But the amazing thing is he used people like Paul to do that, and he uses people like you to do that. It's really, really a remarkable thing. No wonder he says, who, who is adequate for this? I mean, it's, 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 it's something beyond us. So, you help someone, you reach out to someone, 
you love someone, you share God's truth with someone, you encourage someone, yet it is the spirit of the living God that is producing something in that other person's heart. It is the spirit of the living God who uses what he has led you to do to leave an imprint on that other person. Just like you're writing a letter. By the grace of God, you are changing the people around you. But you are being an instrument, an instrument by which God is writing on their hearts. Spurgeon said, uh, the, the mysterious influence that flows through us is not of earthly manufacture. It is the pure spirit of the living God. I, re- I really like that quote. Because that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a really pretty good description. The, <clears throat> the mysterious influence... <clears throat> The mysterious influence that flows through us is not of earthly manufacture. It is the pure spirit of the living God. So when you answer God's call to minister, there is a a mysterious influence, to use Spurgeon's words, there is a mysterious influence flowing through you to other people. And it is nothing less than the Holy Spirit of God. There is no greater privilege... There's no greater calling. There's no, there's no higher privilege than to be a minister of Christ. And again, I'm not talking about pastors and missionaries. I'm talking about you and me. I'm talking about you in your life and the people you are around and the opportunity you have to minister the life of Jesus and the message of Jesus to others all the time. Cer- certainly in your family, in your home, with your spouse, your kids to the waitress, to the family of God, to that wounded person you just met or you hear about, uh, your minister. So I pray, I pray for each, each of you, I pray for each of us to have a revelation that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to minister to people and their needs. And again, it's very much like what 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says, to each one of you is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Just, I mean, it's really just another way of saying what we're talking about. The Spirit of, of the living God is manifesting himself through you for the good of all those around you. You always have something good to bring to others because, because the Spirit of God. Number four, and, and this is really what I, I know it's taken a while to get around to this, but this is really what I want to talk to you about this morning. Number four, this is something we can be confident about because our adequacy comes from God. Paul said, such confidence we have before God. Not that we are confident in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our compass, competency comes from God. I love the New American Standard, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Paul had great confidence before God that God was using him to make an impact or an imprint on people's lives. I mean, he didn't go around saying, oh, I'm sure God will never use me. No, he had confidence. He had confidence in the work 
of the Spirit, not in himself, but he had confidence in God to equip him for ministry. But this confidence, there, there's this paradox. We're going to kind of go back and forth between inconfidence and confidence through, for the rest of the message. But this confidence comes from knowing, confidence comes from knowing our competence or our adequacy is not found in ourselves but in God. And most of us, I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but I think, I'm going to generalize my experience to, to you, <laughs> okay? Most of us know how weak we are. We feel our smallness. We feel our nothingness very keenly at times. And we think, how can a man like me or a woman like me minister life to other people? even to my kids, to my grandchildren, to my friends and co-workers, or to the other, other saints here at Real Life Church. I mean, there might be times when you don't even know how you can face one more day, let alone impact people for Jesus' sake. And if our confidence is based in ourselves and our feelings and our ability to come up with something really clever, good to say, if our confidence is, is, is in ourselves or in to come up with the right words or to work up our own strength, uh, it, does, it, it does not give confidence but actually leads to despair because when we get our eyes on ourselves, we, you know, it, it doesn't make us confident. At least it doesn't make me confident. So the realization that we are not confident in ourselves can actually be a huge relief, actually be a huge blessing. I mean, it releases us from the burden of trying to be something we are not. It brings peace to our heart. We don't have to pretend to be something we are not. We can fully agree with Jesus Christ when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. A.B. Simpson said, when we understand that we are dead and that Christ is our life, we would not count upon our own condition, state, and resources any more than a dead man's. Would you depend on a dead man to do something for you, to bring you something you need? Don't trust in yourself either. And that, there's something very freeing about that. When we go to minister to someone, we don't have to work up something. We don't have to feel something. We live life expecting nothing from ourselves, but expecting everything from God. You know, I, I don't know how many times... I've wanted to uh, bless someone or comfort someone or, or, or help someone or even correct someone. And I don't know how many times I've, I've dialed that person's phone number not knowing what I'm going to say. And I'm just, I dialed the number whispering out, usually, usually whispering out loud, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to say. Give me the grace, give me your words to love this person, to speak into this person's life. Because I, I'm, living, we're, I'm living in this paradox of not being competent in myself, but being all the time also being made adequate by God. And I think one of the real problems in, in Christian ministry, or maybe what I should say in Christian non-ministry, the reason that people don't ministry, minister to other people, is that, first of all, we, 
we check out ourselves. We, we look first to ourselves to see if we are competent. We conclude that we're not, that all, all those gifts and resources and powers and whatever belong to other people. So I'm incompetent, so therefore we just kind of dr- withdraw into our own private lives. But instead, as we are aware of our weakness, our lack, we should look to God's adequacy, God's sufficiency. Vance Havner said, our weakness and God's strength form an unbeatable combination. And, you know, I, I like that. It's basically what Paul said, you know, that Christ's power is perfected in weakness. There's something, there's actually some, something, a way that these fit together, our weakness and Christ's power. So there's this on, ongoing paradox in Paul that he himself knew, knew full well, and we experience it too, inadequate and adequate at the same time. Incompetent and competent at the same time. Insufficient and yet fully sufficient at the same time and in the same person. Weak but strong. We feel very normal and earthly and human, maybe even empty at times. Yet in that, God moves us and uses us and gives us grace to minister and to love and to have a word and a gift for someone. That's how we live life. And, you know, you might minister to someone, and again, this is, I'm sharing from experience, I don't have a Bible verse to back this up, but, you know, you might minister to someone on a particular day. And, you know, you're just, you're just, you're just feeling pretty good. And what you, what you do to, with that other person or for that other person, it, it obviously blesses them. And, you just start to think, okay, I really got this thing figured out. I know how to minister to people. I'm going to love and serve and bless people. And then the next day, I mean, you might feel like a withered plant. I mean, you might just feel like you have nothing to offer. But you know what? That, those feelings, in a sense, don't matter. That doesn't matter because our faith is always in God who makes us adequate every day in every situation with every person. So, as I said earlier, we're always aware of our personal incompetency, but always confident in God's adequacy, strength, and sufficiency for every situation. So, we go through life ministering, ministering life, minister, seeing ourselves as, minister, minister, as ministers, ministering life everywhere we go, to everyone we meet because God has made us competent and we trust in that. It's interesting, the church at Corinth, uh, they, even they told Paul he was, he was in, inadequate. Uh, they complained that he was a terrible speaker and they said his speech is contemptible. <laughs> you don't want to go hear this guy. You know? uh, his speech is in, uh, contemptible. It says his personal appearance was unimpressive. And so some include, concluded that he was inadequate. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Paul does not argue against that conclusion. You know, what they thought of him, they told him, you know, you're not, you're not competent, you're not adequate. It, that didn't destroy him. It didn't even bother him because he knew that already. And he, his, his confidence was completely in God, in a God making him adequate. It never stopped him from being a minister of of God, even though he had those obvious 
inadequacies. So, we accept uh, that we are not adequate in ourselves, but then we must recognize that we are no longer just ourselves. Okay, says we're inadequate in ourselves, but we are no longer just in ourselves. We've been indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. The Spirit who raised Jesus Christ up from the dead has, has come upon you, has come into you, if you're a person born of God. And so we live with this, with this basic confession. And I, and I do kind of view this as just a, a, a confession or, or something to claim or something to declare in faith that almost with all the situations in life, with all the challenges, with, with all the feelings and negative thoughts or whatever that go through our, our mind, we, our, our confession is, but God made us adequate. But God made us competent for this. And this has to be the way that you think. A.B. Simpson, uh, again, said, Many Christians can say we are not sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Okay, a lot of Christians will say that. Okay, I'm not sufficient. I'm not able. I'm weak. Okay, but he said, The number I fear is very small who can say, but our sufficiency is of God. He went on to say, we may be ready to admit our disability, but are we as ready to admit his ability? And so we can't can't dwell on the fact that we realize that we're not competent in ourselves, but we can't live there. We can't stay there. We can't wallow in that. We move right on to the fact, but God makes us Adequate, adequate. See, if we only see our inadequacy, we might not get out of bed in the morning. We might not get to church. We might never make that phone call. We won't be faithful to other believers. We won't be able to think of anyone else's need but our own because we're focused on our insufficiency and unable to see that God makes us sufficient. We won't share anything. We won't pray for others because we're living in inadequacy and really in bondage to those feelings of not being able. How, how easy it is to kind of dwell there and not move, make this move. Not competent in ourselves, but competent, adequate, sufficient in God. So we go on day by day, sometimes just hour by hour, uh, knowing full well who we are, but also knowing who God is. And so we, we carry on. We carry on seeing ourselves as ministers, looking for that next person to bless, that next person to pray for, that next person to encourage, that next person to love, that next person to share Christ with, the next person to serve, because that's who we are. We are ministers equipped by the Spirit of the living God. We are ministers empowered by God. I 
I kind of hesitate to share this because it makes me look very, very weak and vulnerable. But several, it's, I, I don't even know when I wrote this down. Once in a while, if I, if I want to say something, I, I'll write it down on my notes and my iPad. Um, and so this is just something like journaling, you know, just sharing sp- spiritual thoughts. And this is a, this is a long time ago. It wasn't this week. Or, uh, but... Um, it's not like, and I'm not saying I feel this way all the time, but I'm just, I'm just being vulnerable, okay? I'm just, I'm sharing my heart. Hopefully, it'll help one person here, and everybody else will, will think less of me, but that's okay, okay? And this is what I wrote. I said, sometimes I can feel so weak, it scares me. That's where that line came from earlier in the message. Sometimes I can feel so weak, it scares me. The feeling is that I don't have the strength to face another meeting to sell another house, to preach another sermon, to bear the cares of being a pastor or the responsibilities of being a pastor one more day. I can feel so empty in my own self and in my emotions like I have no emotional strength, depressed even. I can feel so inadequate that I wonder how I could have anything to give others. Yet I always find that God himself is the power of my, my life. He is the strength of my heart. He is my glory and the lifter of my head. He upholds me day by day. He continually makes me able. And then I quoted from this passage or this chapter. Who then is adequate for these things? But God made us adequate. Not that we are adequate in ourselves, but God made us adequate. This is not a new thought for me but something I live out almost daily, never feeling sufficient in myself, but always finding that I am sufficient in Christ. And when the feelings of weakness come, it is like I have never learned this before. It's a whole new battle of faith to be fought and won in that moment or in that day. And sometimes it is. A whole, it's a whole new battle. And, I, and I, when I feel my incompetency, uh, it's like I've never, never learned anything about God's strength before. It's just like that's all I can see. And I've, it's a battle of faith to move from not that we're at, adequate in ourselves to the fact that God has made me and you adequate, sufficient as ministers of the message and life of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have not left us to ourselves what basket cases we would be if you had. We thank you so much for the high calling that you've given us to love and, and bless and serve and help and, and bring healing and transformation to other people. Who is adequate for this? We are not, Lord, but you are and you, and you have made us adequate as ministers. Let us not shrink God, from the things that you've called us to do, let us reach out to that one. Let us, let us minister to that one person in front of us. Let us go and be and carry on in confidence because you are our God and your spirit is in us to equip us as ministers of new covenant message and life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah.